Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. This is the Screen Verdict podcast you're listening to. And what we're going to be doing this week on the podcast is reviewing the film The Ides of March. Beware The Ides of March. Well, yes, so apparently this is a saying. Yes, from uh, Shakespeare, uh, a Shakespearean reference. Yes, apparently I'm not as well read as you. No. When I saw the title for this film, I was, at first I didn't think it was a very good title. I was like, I don't even know what that means. Mm. But then I thought, maybe it is a good title, because now I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, um, I was I, I actually uh, it's from the Shakespeare play Julius Caesar, um, and it, it's covering Julius Caesar's uh, political assassination. Um, and sort of someone said to him before he was assassinated, "Beware the Ides of March." Um, I was actually in a production of William Shakespeare's uh, Julius Caesar back in high school, so um, I play I played Octavian, who um, after Julius Caesar gets executed, I come over and, and take over. Uh, the army that mm. goes against the people who backstabbed Julius Caesar. Yeah, so I, I quite like the title. Um, it's a, it's a good play and uh, written by a fairly good playwright. So it's nice <laughs> to see a movie reference it in the title. Uh, we'll be letting you know whether you should beware the Ides of March or mm. whether you should go see it yeah. with our review. Yes, so the film is a political film. That's the reference mm. uh, what we're getting. George Clooney is a presidential candidate. Yeah, for the Democratic Party. Yes, it follows the Democratic primaries. Yeah. A competition, a battle, if you will, between him and... I forget the man's name. Some other guy. Some other guy. Some old guy. Someone not George Clooney yeah. uh, to, be, to get the Democratic it, nomination. It does seem like this film was a referendum on... George Clooney, as opposed to two guys that you're sort of weighing up and down against. Yeah, it's a little like in the uh, the West Wing. Yeah. When, uh... Yeah. In the press, like, who's going to win? Hmm, probably the one that's Martin Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he has Ryan Gosling as his... One of his campaign managers, like... Yeah. Seymour Hoffman, I guess, is the lead... Yeah, he's sort of the main... Clooney's right-hand man. ...campaign director, but... Ryan Gosling's the young up-and-comer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, this this film was full of stars. It's quite the uh, yes the actor ensemble. We have Paul Giamatti. He's kind of he's the the yeah. campaign director for the enemy. The enemy. Sort of Phil Seymour Hoffman's opposite. Paul Giamatti always plays a good bad guy. Yeah. Duplicity. Quite a, quite a ridiculous film. I think it's Shoot 'Em Up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays a really fun fun bad guy in that. Yeah. Who else is in it? Evan Rachel Wood and Marissa Tomei. Some pretty uh, uh, good actresses and fine-looking ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Got appeal to all the different age demographics there. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright. Like, Are we going to get on the IMDb and list everyone involved in yeah. the film? I'm trying to find who the other... I'm wondering. I'm just wondering how far down you're going to go. <laughs> Jeffrey Ryan thinks the limit, but though I, a name is jumping out at me, Gregory Yinsen, <laughs> um, from from uh, who played President Logan in 24. Yeah, he doesn't. He has like five lines in the film, <laughs> but uh, I know you're a pretty big fan of his performance in 24, so yeah. I knew you were gonna gonna mention him. <laughs> yeah, that's probably enough people. Uh Senator, <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not. <laughs> Just like we were, we were wondering who the uh, the actor who played the other politician was. Oh uh, yeah, it's Michael Mantell. 
so no one. I'm sure, I'm sure all the listeners are like, oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Michael Mantell. Yeah. That was on the tip of our tongues just a moment ago. <laughs> Michael Mantell. Blank Senator Pullman. So Clooney wrote and directed this film, so he's obviously got quite a bit of pull. Can get the big names, get the Mantells and the Rachel Woods <laughs> on board, the Itsons. So the premise of the film is Ryan Gosling, who's kind of the, the star of the film, I guess, yes. is that he... I think it's a rule at the moment that Ryan Gosling has to be the star of any film that's getting made <laughs> in Hollywood at the moment. And rightly so. Yeah. He's politically idealistic, this Ryan Gosling, and he, he strongly wants uh, George Clooney to become the next president of America. Mm-hmm. And problems kind of arise for him where he gets a call from yeah. Paul Giamatti from the other side. Mm. And so from here we go into this kind of political thriller, I guess, of yeah. uh, backstabbings and twists and turns and the, the sort of seedy belly, underbelly of uh, the political world comes out. Yes. Y- yeah, and, and it's tough because we can't really talk about all these twists and turns, but but I think we probably can say that Ryan Gosling does meet with Paul Giamatti and that is a catalyst for everything that is to follow. That that little decision to go and meet Paul Giamatti in the bar has big consequences for every character in the film. I felt like through the film there were these kind of, I wouldn't quite say twists, it's not quite like a, a shock thriller, but there are these plot developments where it goes mm. back and forth. Looking back on the film, I kind of feel like they weren't actually that, original but when i was actually watching it in the moment i was actually kind of like "Ooh, Hmm. you know i wonder what this means i wonder what he's gonna do next yes although it wasn't the most inventive way of telling this story i think it was executed well yeah because i was engrossed in in what was going to happen next yes so let's talk about some of the relationships that yes Yes. we have we have evan rachel wood who is an intern yes and gregory itson's daughter in the film and he is the DNC's party leader. Yes, the chairman of the DNC. So Evan Rachel Wood is an intern for the George Clooney campaign. And uh, there's her first scene, she goes in and has a bit of a chat with uh, Ryan Gosling. The person I saw this movie with, at the end of that scene, I turned to the person I was uh, watching with and I said to her, I think, I think they like each other. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that scene. I think that was one probably mm. the funniest scene in the movie. Like it's not it's not a comedy, obviously, no. but there are there are moments of this uh, yeah. comedic relief, and that was probably the funniest scene. There's uh, there's quite some witty banter, sort of back and forth. She's he's trying to pretend like he remembers who she is, and she keeps on mm. like tricking him with these little setups as to what her name yeah. is and what she actually does. And uh, but you can tell that. Even though he's failing every question, uh, she still likes him. You could cut the sexual tension in that um, scene with a knife. <laughs> is that is that is that a saying? <laughs> <laughs> Any sharp implement, really. It doesn't have to be a knife. No. <laughs> Edward Cullen's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's palpable. Palpable sexual tension. It's sizzling, that scene. <laughs> and the next one they have together is uh, perhaps even more so sizzling. They do it. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more the scene just in the bar where they're talking than the sex scene. Oh, okay. But yes, they do do it. (laughs) 
he gets it in. <laughs> Which actually, for me, the funniest scene was when they're having sex and he's watching the political news on the TV. <laughs> He, he's he's watching George Clooney. <laughs> and uh, they've actually got a bit of an age gap, these two. We've seen a couple of movies in a row where this half your age plus seven is not, <laughs> I think, being followed. Yeah. She's no older than 20. No. And uh, Ryan Gosling provides a very Ryan Gosling comment when he, he says, how old do you think I am? And she says 30. And he's like, you think I'm 30? So how old are you? He's like, I'm 30. So 30 divided by 2 plus 7 is 22. (laughs) He's two years off. (laughs) I have a feeling like there are certain people that you would uh, violate the half your age plus 7 rule for. From her perspective, Ryan Gosling surely has to be one of them. And probably Evan Rachel Wood is also one of them. (laughs) Yes. No complaints from us. No. So another relationship that Ryan Gosling has between him and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. See, a lot of the film, he doesn't actually directly deal with George Clooney. No. It's through these other people, such as um, Hoffman and um, Marissa Tomei. Yeah. So Hoffman is kind of like his boss. Mm. And he's the guy he he should kind of be looking to for advice, should be making all these contacts and calls to... When he gets in touch with Paul Giamatti, this is perhaps something he should have discussed with Hoffman. Yes, he should have got Hoffman's advice on the Giamatti meeting. But he doesn't. And then he tells Phil Seymour Hoffman like a week later about all this. That seems like a bad move. Like you either hide it all or you <laughs> tell it all up front. Seems, seems a bit weak to be chopping and changing your strategy. Well, he's a member of the Democratic Party. It's in their nature to flip-flop, Matt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that creates some tension there. There's also a bit of back and forth between him and uh, Marissa Tomei because she's a, a writer and she wants the kind of the inside scoop yes. on the campaign. And there's kind of a conflict of interest there because there's a friendship, but there's also an element of, of using one or the, uh, or the other for their occupational gains. Yes. And so both of these relationships kind of end up in being involved in the in the twists and turns yes. of, the, of the film. Very much so. Um, so we probably can't go much more into the plot uh, because we don't want to spoil all these twists and turns for people. Clooney is running for president, which I think is something that to a lot of people is quite an eye-appealing prospect, George Clooney running for president. <laughs> He's quite a political guy. People like him. Um, I know uh, the person I saw the movie with, she she would love to see George Clooney as president. <laughs> putting words in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I would love to see Clooney as president. Like, what do you think of Clooney as a president? He had some fairly strong political ideals. You could tell the, the writers in this film... George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> had two things that they wanted to put forth. Okay, yes. What were their two big platforms? Well, one of them was basically about the seedy, conniving undertakings of the, of the political world. Hmm. And the other is this political ideal, which was quite strongly left-leaning, idealistic yeah. political views, which they pushed 
forward quite high in yes. many scenes throughout the film yeah. in a relatively unobjective or or balanced manner. Yeah. Clearly Republicans are evil, if you've seen the film. Yeah. I feel like a reasonable percentage of people will be will be alienated by the by the politics in this film. Yeah. Um there are two big platforms, I guess, that the Clooney sort of has. One is electric cars. We just everyone's driving electric cars. Yeah. They'll solve foreign oil issues. Yeah. And two is uh this idea to have a mandate that when everyone finishes school or college that they spend two years doing service for country can be in military or in, in military or in something like some charity services work, charity work or something like that and they say this is an ideal political position because it'll only affect people who are under 18 and they can't vote <laughs> and everyone over 18 will like the idea of the younger people doing service <laughs> i see that logic but I feel like they're complete, like, and, and they say, this is a win-win. There's no way we lose this politically. <laughs> but that being said, I feel like they completely underestimate the divisiveness of the American public. And just the very fact that George Clooney proposes that will mean 50% of the public hate <laughs> it. And it's the worst thing in the world. Um, we've seen Barack Obama like mandate public uh mandate health cover uh for the country and people like were so angry at that even some people may have benefited from it because it's unconstitutional for the government to mandate anything <laughs> like I, I just feel like and a, a, there's very a lot of people who don't like environmental things in america like i think there's electric cars also uh like a bad idea uh politically i think a lot of people would he would get made fun of for that political position that everyone would be driving electric cars, as good as the idea might or, or might not be. And he also talked about negotiating with people in foreign countries. And, like, I know there's a lot of people in America who don't like the sound of that. Like, But the foregone cl- conclusion in the film was that if he gets the nomination for the Democratic Party... He's just going to wipe the floor with the Republicans. Like, everyone's going to get... I, I, and I don't know, he seemed like ideas that really stir up the Republican base seem to be his bread and butter. So, I don't know. That that was... I found it a little hard to believe. Well, I think this is where we learn that this is not set in the real world. This is set in a film which is George Clooney's version of an ideal world. This is a, so this Isomarch is an ideal utopian <laughs> idea of how politics run. <laughs> is that what you're telling me? I don't feel like the filmmakers would admit to that, but I feel the film does at times lose a sense of realism. I guess it's just so hard because the politics on one level is so ideal, yet the way the politics is run behind the scenes is so um, so dirty. And so corrupt. Like, are they trying to show us how the world should be or how the world shouldn't be? I suppose that was kind of how the film left me. I was a little, I was a little cold because I didn't feel as though the film showed me how we can get to somewhere that we want to go. And I didn't feel like it showed me how to get away from where we don't want it to go. Mm. I just kind of felt as is. Yeah. This is how stuff works. There you go. 
So I'm not sure if that was the intention of the film, but I ended up feeling a little flat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of the theme. Yeah. In terms of the, the plot and the characters and the acceleration of the story. Yeah. For the first 80% of the film, I was the opposite of that. I was very involved. It yeah. was it was picking up the pace. I was mm. really excited to see who was going to do what next. And then I guess when the film went for this kind of message ending, yeah, it also felt flat. Yes. And not in terms of it failed. I just felt I lacked an emotional reaction mm. to it. Yeah. I'll give you an example of how it did that. Ryan Gosling and George Clooney, kind of the two two big biggest names in the film. Yes. And although they're working on the same campaign, they don't really converse that much. No. And as the as the film goes on, they each go one way or the other. You know that there's going to be sort of a scene between them. Yes. As the film goes on, they're going to come together and this is where things are going to be resolved. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say these are two of the most popular actors of our generation. Yes. And because I was so excited with the film at this point, I was thinking, oh, man, this could be like the De Niro Pacino coffee table scene yeah. in Heat. Yeah, 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 yeah. For our generation. Yeah. And like sort of the theme, the, the ending, the message of the film, again, it just kind of was like, okay. Like it happened and it went by. And they were good in it. They were They, they gave good performances in the scene and... I was emotionally a little unresolved. Yes, it wasn't the De Niro Pacino scene no. that we were we were all hoping for. <laughs> uh, should we give our verdict now of the film? Um, yeah, let's go. Let's get to the screen. Jonathan, unsure whether we should give the verdict yet, but I think we should. What verdict? We'll start with you. Yeah, you first, Jonathan. Looking back on it, I feel like a lot of the film was quite standard. Visually, I can't think of anything that made it stand out in terms of the direction or the cinematography. The music score was quite standard. This is like a tense scene, so we're going to do the... But again, at the time, I was actually enjoying it. Mm. And I'm not sure what created that. I think I'm going to have to put it down to the actors. You have the big names, and I think they all put in solo performances. Mm. Ryan Gosling sometimes gets criticised for uh, his his lack of uh, expression or <laughs> amount of dialogue in his yeah. in his movies, but yeah. I think he's quite charismatic. I think he was quite funny at times. I believe that he was this idealist, and mm-hmm. I wanted to see how he would react to the the, the situations mm-hmm. that he was presented with. Yeah. You have Philip Seymour Hoffman and Paul Giamatti, and they they did what they did best. They they mm-hmm. they give these good supporting performances that really kind of hold the hold the film together mm. and i think evan rachel wood did her part in sort of keeping the the film the story going as well mm. with about 20 minutes to go i was really enjoying the film i was really excited and it wasn't so much that the ending disappointed me or i thought it was done poorly i think what it came down to was actually the message of the film and it was my ability or inability to relate to the message of the film yeah. and why the ending, I don't want to actually criticise it, I will say it left me kind of cold. I'm going to give this film a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, okay. Uh, my thoughts on Ides of March are, firstly, I think, in my mind, without a question, the MVPs of this film were Philip Seymour Hoffman and Paul Giamatti. They, as you said, do a little bit. I think they stole the show a bit. That whenever they were on, 
there was a lot more energy and just it was a lot more entertaining, I think, to watch. So they were fantastic in it. And look, I, I, I love politics stuff. I love this whole delegates and primaries and things like that. So I was interested in, in all the wheelings and dealings um, and all that sort of stuff I, I found really interesting. Perhaps uh, Moneyball. You know, we're saying Moneyball is a film that the baseball movie for people who don't like baseball or yeah. are interested by baseball. <laughs> I'm not sure if you don't, you're not interested in politics at all. You're going to love this film because there's a lot of talk about delegates and primaries and stuff. That if you're not really into that sort of thing, I think you get a bit bored with it. The uh, uh, Clooney and Gosling are, are, are very solid in it too. Evan Rachel Wood is good too. Her performance or role perhaps towards the end wasn't liking where that was going, but um, it did make things a bit interesting, so not completely against it. Yeah, it's a, it is a very cold film, I think. Um, and although I enjoyed a lot of the parts of it, at the end of the film I thought there was perhaps more potential with the talent involved than there was actually execution on the screen. Um, I think there's some very nice parts to it, but maybe the film as a whole is not as good as the individual sum of all the parts. Um, I've been a real fan of George Clooney's direction uh, in Good Night and Good Luck, uh, so I was, I was hoping for something um, a bit better here. So I'll give that a 7 out of 10, I think, for the film. A solid score for sure, but not ridiculously high. And, and and the friend I saw it with, she said that um, it had the potential uh, to to be a really great film, but just quite wasn't there. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. By that, did she mean it had Ryan Gosling but wasn't a porno? <laughs> um, uh, knowing her, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's my view on it. Okay, whatever floats your boat, Jonathan. <laughs> Yes, uh, so should people be wary of the March? If you don't really like political stuff, probably. (laughs) We've got a bit of housekeeping to do. Um, (laughs) Some some Clooney-related housekeeping. Yeah. Because uh, we had had the poll, would you rather make out with George Clooney or Betty White? And uh, I'll just just get out the results. Just get out the results on this. Because you'd pick Betty White and I picked George Clooney. Yeah. George Clooney, living up the board, <laughs> won by a vote. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks everyone voted George Clooney there. Feud settled. If you were one of those people that would rather make out with George Clooney than Betty White, perhaps The Eyes of March is, uh, is a film for you. Yes. And again, we only have... I would rather yeah. be watching Hot in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yes, I've, I've also, you might find this interesting, uh, Jonathan, had a bit of feedback on the podcast, and I, I, I want everyone listening to know that we're happy to get feedback, and uh, we, we love the positive feedback. We also appreciate the negative feedback, <laughs> and we, we, we can use it to make a bit of podcast. Uh, someone uh, listened to a Harry Potter podcast this week. Um, I've been telling her to give it a go, and she finally gave it a go, and she said it was good, but long. <laughs> <laughs> She said she almost got the whole way through it. Um, <laughs> she, As a non-Harry Potter fan, I felt the same. <laughs> well, she said, she said you said um, a lot of weird things, <laughs> but 
She thought you were funnier than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, what a cold thing to say to your friend. <laughs> yeah, I know. The guy, even though I'm a Harry Potter fan, the guy that clearly didn't like the film is funnier than you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and being... To you. You didn't even say it to me. Yeah. And, unless you passed it on. It's just an insult. Yeah. At that point, it was an insult, not a compliment. <laughs> Only when you passed it on to me did it become a compliment. And I've been having a bad week where I've been feeling sick. hearing <laughs> 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 I think we should have a poll on the podcast to, who, on the wall. Who's funnier? <laughs> I hope I'd win that because yeah. I feel like out of our, our Facebook page likers, <laughs> that more of them are my friends than your friends. <laughs> However, given the nature of, uh, of, of friends <laughs> that you've just demonstrated, perhaps that would be to my detriment. <laughs> Uh, so clearly, uh, the one thing we can tell from this whole ordeal is that you have better friends than I do. <laughs> More friends that are supporting the podcast, <laughs> and, and your friends probably actually find you funny. So um, I find you funny, Matt. Oh, uh, thanks, Jonathan. I needed that after. <laughs> and I also had someone, um, my mate, um, he said I could use the name of the podcast, so my mate Matty Johnson said he gave the Twilight one a go. He said he turned it off after two minutes. <laughs> I do hope he's talking about Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> he said, um, he's, he said, uh, because we took too long to say what movie we were talking about. <laughs> I told you this would be an issue. I know you did. <laughs> Can't you, but it said in the title. <laughs> I think it's probably that we were talking about nothing. <laughs> and he thought they're not talking about anything. We're going to turn it off. Didn't seem to hurt Seinfeld. No, not at all. Yeah. So, should we um, give it the beginning of a podcast with warnings about how long it's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it should say when you click on it, but apparently that was still an issue yeah. in terms of the topic. <laughs> so we might have to start off with uh, "Beware." Here's an audio warning: This yeah. podcast is longer than five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Some feedback. Oh, uh, the, the girl that's in the podcast said she liked Jess. <laughs> she thought Jess was good. She wants more Jess. <laughs> she said, could Jess have a podcast? <laughs> Did you do something to this girl? It's like, she seems to like, she likes me. She likes Jess. She wants up to the podcast. So, did you think I was good? She go, you're okay. <laughs> And I love the, love the feedback. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Funny Man, Jonathan Cook. <laughs> yeah, any, um, any more of that? Put it on the, uh, on the Facebook page. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and some good news. Um, you were concerned I was uh, pregnant with a demon vampire baby last podcast. I, and this is no joke, had an ultrasound this week. And... I am not pregnant. <laughs> I'm not pregnant. Uh, it's just a little stomach thing. So uh, for all those who've been uh, praying that I did not have a demon vampire baby <laughs> in me, good news. Good news. Though it was probably likely since I hadn't had sex with a vampire. <laughs> but uh, and we'll, I'll try to get a picture of that ultrasound and uh, post it on the Facebook fan page just so we've got, got proof. <laughs> I was looking forward to biting it out of you, but uh, 
There's always next time. I thought of a good joke for that uh, Twilight podcast last week. Um, I obviously didn't get to say at the time, but uh, <laughs> trying to trying to become the funny guy in the podcast. <laughs> it, uh, when Edward, um, Edward, Edward didn't get the right idea when he uh, thought he was meant to be eating out his wife after they got married. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now, yeah, there you go. On that note, there's the podcast. <laughs> See ya. Bye.